Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to Yeah, But It's Not As Simple As That. We are back after a lengthy, lengthy break, more than a holiday really, something approaching a midlife crisis, on the podcast that asks questions that are too complicated just to Google. On the podcast this week, we're talking about the issue of integration. Now, in the national discussion, that's something that's often talked about in terms of immigrant communities being more British. That's certainly a rhetoric Theresa May has doubled down on in the last couple of months. But we're looking at it through a bit of a wider lens. What happens, for example, when gentrifying hipster groups go to areas where immigrants have lived for 50, 60, 80 years and start bringing in cobbled streets and coffee shops? Do they need to learn how to better integrate? Poppy Noor, she's a vice journalist who writes a lot about communities and integration, has been looking into this. So Poppy, this started with a piece for Vice.com. What kind of uh, inspired you in the first place to, to do something on integration? I was just kind of thinking a lot about the debate around um, integration and kind of when Theresa May started talking about British values, how a lot of that conversation was geared towards particular groups of people. So, you know, when she was talking about kind of getting women into work, she wasn't thinking about housewives in Surrey. You know, it was about Muslim women. And I just started thinking about the concept of integration in general. And then I came across um, Dr. Gemma Catney's research, which basically looks at the way that we frame diversity and that we frame mixing. And essentially what I kind of what I took from her research was that so often in Britain we see the benchmark of um, integration as non-white people being able to, to mix or fit in with white people. And actually, there have been communities in Britain that, that are hugely mixed, but it's not you can't kind of measure it just by white versus non-white. There are Turkish people in an area or people from uh, whose parents are from Bangladesh in an area. Or, and, and so I started thinking, you know, are we kind of missing a trick here um, when we think about integration? So we're talking about, you know, like, give me an example, like a place like Leighton or somewhere where there's been so many different waves of, of immigration, but also waves of people moving in and out of the city yeah and so I suppose that was the kind of third part of my thinking was then thinking about okay well there's another thing here which is that we're having huge uh, groups of people that are moving to areas areas kind of near where I grew up so Leighton is a perfect example I grew up in Newham just next to Leighton and it's a hugely diverse area and actually the clientele moving into there are by and large middle class white people so you kind of probed it in quite an interesting way for this podcast tell me how this all worked out like where did you go how did the conversation start 
We had uh, three generations of people from one area in one room. And we had um, Sandra Dunbar, who is in her 60s. Um, and she is kind of born and bred bow girl, white working class woman, seen kind of, you know, every different group of people moving into Tower Hamlets um, since way back when. And then we had uh, Saif Osmani, who has an architectural background. He's in his mid thirties um, and kind of grew up around Bethnal Green and Brick Lane, but he, his parents came from Bangladesh. And then you had Alex Porter, who was kind of, you know, mid twenties, moved to Tower Hamlets when she, I mean, she, she hasn't kind of moved in from elsewhere. She's actually moved from Enfield. Um, but is, you know, your kind of classic hipster millennial that's moved to a nice happening place. Okay, so you've got these three generations then. You've got sort of like old East End, you've got a second generation immigrant, and then you've got a kind of hipster gentrifier. And then you just get the three of them in a the room to have it out. Yeah, I think the point of the discussion was there's this huge kind of narrative about people having to integrate into British values. And what I wanted people to think about in that room was you have, you know, three different groups of people that have moved to Tower Hamlets over time. And, you know, how how much of an effort do they make to kind of come outside of their comfort zone to integrate with the communities that they've moved into? Chairs around, Sylvia. Yeah. I hope that's all right. That's all right. No worries. Um, I'll just leave the tins on here. Thank you so much. That's why I need to cover them. So, are you involved in a lot of Hackney Wick stuff, though? Or are you just involved in a lot of stuff everywhere? Because I've got a campaign background as well. Anyone want to take a vote yourself? Thank you. Just say one more little bit. You're a diamond host. Okay. Just say you're going to turn over five hundred jobs. I got loads and loads of tweets in response to this piece that I wrote. Um, and a lot of them were saying things like, well, um, you know, Barking and Dagenham or Newham used to be uh, majoritarily white areas and now lots of non-white people have moved in and they've pushed everyone out. But Sandra, you didn't get pushed out. I suppose you didn't really mind all of the non-white people moving into the area. No, they call it white flight, don't they? No one was pushed out. People just left because... I don't know, their own personal reasons, some because they didn't like being in an area where lots of black faces were, and some because they just moved on in life, you know, because it's, it was a poor area, wasn't it, really? It was considered a poor area in those... Well, it was a poor area in those days. So I would say 70% moved out because they could get nicer house, move out to Essex, they all moved out to Essex. But obviously there was the white flight where people just moved out. They didn't want to be where lots of black faces were. It's the truth, isn't it? You know. Talking about the kind of white flight thing, I mean, Alex, obviously you've recently moved to Bethnal Green. The area I specifically grew up in in Enfield is mostly Cypriot. What's quite nice in like the block I live in is it's clearly mostly families that have been there for quite a while. So rather than having lots of individual people it, it is it is mostly non-white 
but it's it's mostly families and everyone's quite friendly and recognizes you and stuff do you feel like you have the chance to integrate and kind of immerse yourself in all of those different communities and tower hamlets I, I get on the buses and see people of all different nationalities there's no one particular group i could say i belong to because i see i see every <laughs> in new and now you will say i don't know how many languages i hear in any one given day you know it's and I used to work in a school and the, the, <laughs> this little lad come up to me one day and his dad had come with, with him to the parents' evening. He said, well, when I was come to England, he said, I learned how to speak English on the bus. He said, because everyone spoke English. He said, my son couldn't do that now, come, like, you know, if he was coming over here, because there's so the English isn't spoken on the buses much. And I was laughing. I said, you're right, actually. <laughs> Because it, it is true. It's not. It's not wrong, but it's just true. That is how, how it is. And and come back in another fifty years' time, it might have changed again. But it's just change, isn't it? And and the changes. Oh, they have been. They have been phenomenal, really. And sometimes it's overwhelming. A bit overwhelming, you know. You think, oh, cracky. You know. Is it hard to integrate for most people? Integration is a slightly problematic word, I think, if we ask ourselves honestly. Um, I don't particularly think majority, I mean, what we saw as ethnic minority areas are actually ethnic majority areas um, in the East End. And that also means that a lot of the white, traditional white working class have, have gone into their own little enclaves in certain places. And I think um, people... You can't presume that people are going to integrate where, when for centuries that hasn't happened. And we live in a hyper ultra urban environment, which brings everybody from around the world. And people are, are afraid. They could be innately afraid that they're losing large aspects of their culture and their identity. Like so much of this stuff is about identity, isn't it? And it's about people on the one hand, kind of, as you just said, Alex, it's people feeling like, you know, new people are moving in and they're speaking over them or they're not really having a lot of respect for what their area used to be and what it means for them. And a lot of that, I think we can relate to the national discussion. That claim over a place and that claim over an identity is what makes this issue so hard for people to speak about. I mean, certainly for me as a campaigner, as well as a local activist, this is an issue that comes up all the time. You know, communities are feeling like they're being polarised all of that adds to um, a suspicion. You know, essentially people don't communicate. The suspicion between uh, blacks, whites, Asians, Chinese, Eastern Europeans, you know. Um, but actually, um, when you look at it, it's just... Uh, big smoke screen. In fact, what, they, what they're what they all doing is they're trying to come to London to make the best out of themselves and and get a and step up into the ladder. Newham has seen a huge amount of influx of people from around the world and maybe the infrastructure's not in place to, um, to help them integrate and to help them get along with one another, you know? And that needs to be there, whereas I think certain areas like Tower Hamlets might do more culturally. I mean, I certainly do a lot of my exhibitions. I mean, I'm an artist as well. And one of the things I do is do exhibitions and through that a lot of people from different backgrounds come and they talk about things like that and then they get along and in the end you realize actually the things that connect me <clears throat> to people generally has been usually background as in i've they've i've got a connection with them because they're eastenders or they're campaigners or they're artists so it's actually identifying bits of yourself in them as well so in that yes there's a lot of diversity and um the, um, and there's a mixture but attaching yourself to one group becomes problematic for me it's problematic i mean even if you are white you might still be 
disliked by certain <laughs> certain people. You know, if you're a white and Eastern European, you can have just as much racism or prejudice thrown at you as someone who's black or and maybe even more because you might have only been here five ten years as opposed to you know someone who's afro-caribbean who's been here since the 60s or 70s i think i've i've heard of um, certain asian groups um taking claim to the british identity and very much running with it and saying well actually well who are these foreigners coming here and at some point you've got to <laughs> turn around and say to them well hang on a minute <laughs> um but then again the that's Europeans are getting the specialist treatment <laughs> yeah like, well, you hear yeah. that a lot around here you hear the, the Asian community are, are very big on moaning about the Europeans yeah. who they consider or they perceive, it might be true, I don't know, that they had special treatment to come and live over here. The, yeah. uh, and I don't know how true or untrue that might be, but it's definitely there. I totally mm. agree. And I think um, the, I mean, there was at one point the argument was across um, England, a lot of people said, well, it's not white enough. And now we're getting a very different kind of white person from, from Europe, from countries we've never heard of. They're slightly exotic signs, but at the same time, they're slightly, it is slightly scary for some communities because they're saying, well, this isn't English. <laughs> They look English from mile off. They come up close and there's something else. But um, again, I mean, I'm certainly learning things from Lithuanian, Moldovan, Ukrainian people, things like that. So in a way, I've kind of embraced that in a different way. I mean, not to the full depth I want to, maybe. Do things like more community spaces or basically just places where people can go to integrate or basically that they need to go? I mean, like it's, you know, it's not going to be that people are going to go to a place to integrate, but maybe they'll go to that place because it's their youth club or maybe they'll go to that place because it's their local park or um, their local free gym or whatever it is. I mean, do those things help with integration? Most people in their 20s don't have many services that they need to use, especially if you're, a, you know, middle class or, you know, middle earning person you can afford to get perhaps an uber home at night late so you don't end up on the night buses which is where it often gets quite chatty you you can afford to get the tube rather than the bus which again is generally less chatty you don't have kids so you don't have parents that you need to talk to at daycare or the nursery or the kids club or the school you probably don't use the hospital very often compared to someone who's older or who has children. So, yeah, you're not going to go to, you're not going to purposely barge into a kind of bar or cafe or shop and start chatting to people who you have, from what you can see, you've got nothing in common with. Um, you're naturally going to gravitate to spend your personal, social, disposable time with people you think you're going to get on with, perhaps in a pub that's also filled with people of a similar age and background. And unless you make a conscious effort to get involved in, say, a activist group or, uh, you know, a local sports team or something or a club, where are you going to and why are you going to integrate beyond anything superficial like having the odd chat with your neighbours? I mean, that is the start of integration. That is the main point of integration is to get on with your neighbours uh, because most people don't really move a lot out of their area uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you're, if you're really trying to get on with groups in other areas and not focusing perhaps on what's right around you, right in, right in your face, you know, 
you're perhaps overthinking things. Even in our own sort of lifestyles, we've still got individual lives that we like to keep maintained in our own way, and those are important because those things are values that continue, you know. They continue to the um, next generation or something that we think is valuable. Second, third and fourth generations of, of any group, any group, have lived a Western way of life with maybe their parents trying to draw that back, you know what I mean? Because they see it as a bad influence, like, you know, not in every case, but, I mean, in, in a lot of the cases like, they do, don't they, you know? And they, they're fearful of their children ended up get, taking drugs and having sex with strangers and all that sort of thing, you know what I mean? And not getting married and, and, and the religious aspect as well in a lot of cases isn't it you know and people see that western way of life and the freedom it offers them and they think that's for me you know i want that i don't want to have all these restrictions i don't care what anyone else says you know uh, because once the genie's out the bottle, it's out the bottle, isn't it? What you're talking about, I mean, I'm just wondering when you're suddenly, you know, you live in Plasto and you're saying that, that most of the people on the bus speak a different language to you. Does it feel scary ever? I never feel intimidated or scared. I'm just not that sort of person. And it's not just me feeling like that. It's nearly everyone on the bus because there are so many different languages being spoken. Do you see my meaning? It's not that there's one language being spoken. Everyone is thinking... Oh, what what language was that then? And what was that? And what, do you that? do you understand the, the 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 people that do find it intimidating? The people that just say, "Why can't you speak?" Yeah, I, do, I understand it. I do understand it. It depends on how you view life. Really, I like an interesting life. I, I like a different life. I like I like to meet as many different people as I can meet. I, I think that makes your day a bit more a bit more fun. To be honest, you know. We're in a very changed environment, <laughs> so the East End of London is changing. Um, I've, I think it's it's nice. It's actually quite exciting in in another way. Um, mm. That well, you know we've got a super complexity that I don't think I've seen in other cities. You know, there's there's a kind of there's not only clash, there's a cultural clash, there's you know tension and and there's opposite views. And I think that's what makes the city. Otherwise, people want you know they wouldn't talk. So yes, people are speaking English, but I, th- I actually quite like that I can walk out certain stations in the East End and people feel comfortable enough to speak their native language, whatever it is. Mm. And I think, in a way, that shows a certain amount of confidence of the host country. You know, we're a, we're a country that allows for people to feel comfortable enough to speak their language. You know, that just shows that the level at which, you know, we're accommodating and also how... Um, I, I think it shows an intelligence, if I'm honest with you. So thanks, guys, and thank you, Sandra, for hosting us in your house today. Um before we all run off to our little enclaves, one thing, um, to be honest, it's kind of the main thing. Do we think that white middle class people need to learn to integrate? I'll start as the, <laughs> as the, as the white middle class entryist in the room. Um, yeah, I think probably. Um, but I think it's when we talk about integration, it's really important that we do focus on it, not just integrating with different ethnic minority communities but different um different class communities too because i think a white middle class person from you know the other side of london can probably seem just as alien to someone who's grown up and worked in a different area of london all their life you know you could have just as little in common with them um and it's important to to 
talk across class lines, not just across and age lines, actually, um, not just across across ethnic lines. But I think also if we are going to try and do more to integrate, as I think we should be, you know, don't necessarily like to use the phrase, but I think maybe check your privilege at the door a little bit, because as as someone who's educated and white, you're going to have a bit more power you're going to have a bit more say you're going to have you know maybe more tools at your disposal to make an argument and uh, if you do get involved with the campaign that's great I mean you know if you know someone who's on the council or you can write a letter to an MP or something that's great but maybe let someone from the local community that you're chatting to write the words because they probably know a lot more about it than you do so yeah integrate but don't take over don't integrate by you know, shoving out other people's voices. Sandra? I think integration is something that human beings will be talking about forever because as much as sort of it combines us together, as, as much as what brings us together, there, there are things that divide us as well. And it's it's easier to accept the division sometimes than to accept the integration you know, it's it's perhaps it's laziness, and most human beings I know are really lazy, and don't make the effort required. You know, uh, easy life. Uh, maybe we should start becoming more critical and critique what they do and how they do it. Because how many after a while you say, how many coffee shops do you need? You know, how many hipster hairdressers do you need? How many? Whereas there's bread and butter issues. You know, I I've bought, been brought up in the East End. I'm born here. Town Hamlets and Newham is somewhere I still navigate around quite often. And those bread and butter issues about, um, you know, just how you're living and people, families living on five pounds a week are still, you know, they're still prevalent. And we have to ask ourselves, are we living in a balanced environment where everybody gets a chance, you know? I mean, there are lots of white middle class people moving into Newham at the moment. I don't know if you noticed, but they're in Forest Gate, they're in Stratford, they're everywhere. (laughs) Do you think they need to integrate a bit more? If they want to. You can't force them. Politicians around the world, not just in England, will seek to divide us because then they've got the power, haven't they? So maybe we should... We're in the wrong conversation, maybe. Because if it's just money that divides us, we wouldn't be divided. But it's it's power with the people who have got it. They control the housing of the masses, the housing needs of the masses. They control the the food needs of the masses. They control everything, every aspect of our life. And there's no country better than it than Britain because we've had more experience of it than most other countries because we're the most probably established country with laws and whatever than any other country. America's a baby compared to us, and they've got it wrong. If you live in England, you, you don't realise quite how controlled your life is. I mean, it was that politician, wasn't it, Joe Cox, who said that more, there's more that unites us than divides us. And I think that's quite a relevant saying that comes up in my head quite often because, um, not because I'm politically affiliated, but because um, I think it's quite relevant nowadays. And I think when you're looking at England as a broader spectrum, I think the class system is very strong. You know, we still live within that structure and and with it, it comes all sorts of cultural things, you know, with each cultural and with each class group and what they value. And the middle class have been in Newham actually prior to the war. There have been middle class areas like um, 
Forest Gate where people are buying second and third homes. And that's why you've got those lovely terraced homes and things like that. So in a way, there's always past ideas and visions and nostalgias which are constantly coming back at various stages. And um, the middle class are a strong force in, in the country. But at the same time, I mean, I'm going to be, I agree with you. I, th- I actually think they do. Um, they do need to integrate more. And actually the conversation has to sometimes go the other way. You know, we need to change the lens rather than it's very easy to blame the working man. How about we turn the lens the other way and say, hey, we're going to go in and video your areas of things that aren't working. Maybe you should integrate. Maybe you should come and find out. Spend a day with us. Spend two days. Spend weeks, months. You've got the time. You've, you've, you've got more time on your hands. Part of what this discussion about is kind of, you know, on the one hand, it's it's really easy to make broad kind of generalizations about middle class people or non-middle class people. I mean, I'm a journalist, so obviously I'm middle class. Um, so it's all kind of said in a light-handed manner. But but more the point is thinking about power and thinking about who do we ask to take the responsibility for change and you know is it fair that the national discussion about integration that the national discussion about immigration is often placed on the least privileged people to kind of to have to change or have to learn a language or have to become involved in society to an extent that we just really don't actually ask of more middle class people as is perfectly exemplified by me saying I live in Hackney Wick. I'm not part of the community there. I go to the coffee shops there, etc. Nobody asks me. Nobody says to me, are you integrating? Nobody says to me, do you even know who the local people in Hackney Wick are? I mean, they're just not. And so I think that's what's really so interesting about this discussion then why why aren't people asking that question i mean the middle class thing does need to be taken apart i mean it's in itself there's a lot of diversity like you're saying you know let's look at this class let's take the lens there <laughs> because there's people aspiring towards middle class aspirations that you know if they're making money they're they're changing their lifestyle and actually the class structure allows for us to do that you know we live in a capitalist society where you can make money to up the game and actually in a lot of um, east end sort of aspirations has always been you know dress well make sure you don't you know if you look at the old east end they always used to dress dapper you know and make sure that they didn't look out of sync you know if you go to canary wharf there's a lot of working class people there working there um who dress in suits and all of that you know so you that identity is still there and that can be taken apart but i think uh, i think there is an onerous if i'm honest with you on them as a class which is moving up they're upwardly mobile their next generation can buy a flat at drop of a you know hat and we have to say that actually and um, what might take us or some of the kids in our areas you know a whole lifetime to get is something that their parents might have left them and so i think that yes they do have a more of a social thing a social sort of um duty i guess in a way to say well actually yeah how what am I doing? What, how can I improve the world? How can I improve my environment, people around me? How can I connect better? Um, because I think it's it's actually intention. If somebody wants to connect with someone, they can connect with them. It's You don't need a machine to tell you that you need to connect in a different way. And, you know, communities are shifting, identity is shifting online and stuff. But I think in the end, people will still relate back to people and say, hey, you tell me about you, tell me your story. And that's how we need to reconnect, I think. Hello? Hello, Lynn, is that you? Lynn, I'm doing my podcast. (laughs) 
I don't really know, to be honest. It's some sort of, some sort of recording that goes online, I think. I don't know. <laughs> right now, yeah, do you want to say hello? Is that, I want to say hello, everyone. Hello. hello. <laughs> They're my podcasters. So I, I, um, I better go and talk to you later, yeah? All right, Lynn. Yeah, OK. <laughs> See you, bye. <laughs> it's my sister. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I told her I was doing it. She forgets. She always forgets. <laughs> thanks to Alex, Safe and Sandra. And thanks for Sandra for letting us use her house in East London. Here's Poppy again. I think it's the kind of thing that's going to be going around in my head for ages because it's such a difficult question. I suppose that's the point of the podcast. But there were some things that kind of made me realise that in some ways it's a lot simpler than I was thinking that it is. You know, there are points in which Sandra said she made a point about kind of being neighbourly and just being, you know, nice to the people next door to you. And that's kind of where integration starts. And I think, you know, that is true. I think people should go beyond that. I mean, especially if you're thinking about your impact on an area if you're coming in and you're trying to change it to fit your taste is kind of a different question but yeah I think her kind of sentiment that being nice to the person who lives next door to you is where people start to make friends and people start to integrate is it was a good point and where do you see this issue going now like obviously gentrification is a huge thing in a lot of British cities communities are being pushed around all the time do you think that there's like big fault lines coming up I think that what I hope will come out of the piece and the podcast and what I hope will happen with the national discussion. I mean, two things. I just, number one, I hope that people will become more empathetic. So many people now are being displaced is quite a strong word, but you know, I don't think that it's the fault of young gentrifiers for moving to other areas because you know, it's all about power. It's about money. It's about people not being able to afford where they used to live. I hope that that makes people more empathetic a lot of this is about power as well. And that's one of the things that we need to think about. When I'm saying that I hope people will be more empathetic, it's not just in a kind of let's all be nice to each other way. Like if what continues to happen is that the main thing that defines whether or not you can live somewhere is how much power you have or how much money you have, then we're all sort of fucked. Unless you're like super, super rich, you know, somebody can come after your housing estate. There's like... um. It's not just happening in social housing, it's happening in private housing. Well, I mean, because you say be more empathetic, but uh, how does that translate into action? If you've just moved into, you know, a, a new build in um, in London Fields or whatever, and you can see that you're, you know, you're affecting the community there, are there things that people should be thinking about or looking out for or doing to try and find a more cohesive community atmosphere yeah definitely I think that people do really need to kind of be self-aware and also self-critical it's easy when you move into an area to think that what you're bringing in with you is good because you like it you know and the whole way that the discussion about gentrification often goes is it's split into two camps and one of those camps is saying we're making the area nicer and actually you know what we see in the piece is that for some people Leighton is not becoming nicer it's just becoming different it's becoming catered to the people who are moving in there and what they like and you know I think that people should think about that a lot more if you come into an area and you think wouldn't it be great if there was a cobbled street here maybe think a little bit about what businesses are going to suffer from your want for a a cobbled street and also I think for young people um you know there's like a huge bit in there about sort of private members clubs and also um we talk a little bit about residential developments I mean those things are 
there to encourage people not to integrate. They're there to encourage you to stay in your, you know, block with your bar at the top of it and your kind of garden that's cut off from the rest of the world and it encourages you to just hang around with people like you it's convenient and that's why it's so successful but it's not good for integration well thanks again to poppy to alex safe and sandra this was Yeah, But It's Not As Simple As That, produced by Sam Bonham from Rethink Audio. Please, if you haven't, subscribe on iTunes, give us a review, and we will definitely, definitely be back next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.